0: Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Uh, I'm going to invite you to go to John chapter 17 again this morning. We'll have one more message after this week out of John chapter 17. And next week, uh, by way of title, just to kind of give you an idea, I know it's going to be the 4th of July. Um, Fireworks don't happen until nighttime, so just saying. Put a little plug in there. Our title next week will be Waving Old Glory. Waving Old Glory. And uh, But this week, I want to finish with these thoughts uh, about the gospel. As We'll get ready to read in just a moment a few verses. The gospel is what saves me. It's what sets me apart. And this morning, we're going to talk about the fact that it's what sends me. It takes God's grace to understand it. It takes God's grace uh, to receive it. It takes God's grace to live it. And that's where we're at today is the 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 fact that we're making the transition that that God has now sent us out. So let's read in John chapter 17, verse 13 through 20. And if you would stand with me as we read God's word. John chapter 17, verses 13, 13 through 20. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from, keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also send them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Father, there's a word that just seems to repeat and ring loud and clear out of this text. It's the word truth. Were it not for truth, we wouldn't be saved. Were it not for truth, we wouldn't be set apart. And were it not for truth, we we would have no mission. But we do have a mission. Father, today as we open your truth, would you work a work of sanctification in our lives today? If anyone doesn't know you, would you save them today by your truth? In Christ's name, amen. You can be seated. The gospel, it sends us out. Did you know that Christ has purposefully sent you and sent me on a mission, purposely sent you and sent me on a mission. Now, I want to dive on in because I, I've got one point I want to spend a little extra time on, but I want to go ahead and let you know that this sending that happens, this gospel that sends us, it sends us with protection from evil. It sends us with protection from evil. There'll come a time in the near future that we'll deal with spiritual warfare a little more intense. But this morning, I just want to give you just a, just a snapshot here of the fact that the gospel sends us with protection from evil. Look at verses 13 through 15 one more time. He says, But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Some translations would translate it out as to just simply keeping them from evil. I believe contextually, I believe that's a good translation that we have from specifically from the evil one. But either way you look, we know that there is an enemy. And we have an enemy because God has called us. That's why we have an enemy. You know, I've often said in my own personal life that if I make the statement that the the devil is after me. It's kind of an arrogant statement. The devil would never want to be just after me. The devil is after the glory of God. And if the glory of God resides in you and resides in me, then we are enemies. We're enemies of the one that that hates everything that is good and lovely in this world. And so I want to take you to a, a, a thought here. I'll read a few verses and I've got a typo in this first one on some of our uh, Scripture. So as you hear me I'll give you the Scripture reference, you'll see where it's at. Uh, it was my fault, and when I sent it, my dyslexia has been raging this past week. And uh, so I got a couple of things flipped around, but uh, God, it's all good. Matthew ten sixteen through 20 says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now, let me make a statement to you. I have less trouble with plain old sinners than I do with the people trying to justify them. And a lot of that happens in church life. Now, I'm thankful that I, that's not a, a normal a normative around here. Now, I'd love to tell you it's not al- it's always been that way, but that's not true. But throughout my, uh, my walk as a Christian and my walk as a pastor, I've come to find out that some of the people that will dive on you the most will be the people that are trying to preserve the sinful lifestyle of others. Listen to this. He does not keep us from evil, from the evil of trouble and hardship, but from the enemy of God's authority and from the evil of our own flesh on top of it all. That's what God's after. He, he doesn't take us out of the world. Jesus says, I'm, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, Lord, but that you send that I sent them into the world, and that you keep them and preserve them from the evil one. It's kind of like it was said one time: a ship is to be in the ocean, but the ocean's not to be in the ship. And you and I are to be in the world, but we are not to be of the world, the Bible teaches us. That we are to to be sent out. With a commission from Jesus Christ, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but John 14, 30, Jesus said, I'll no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Just to put a little plug in that you understand that for a, a season, the enemy has the rule over this realm in which we live in, but he's always on a leash. But don't miss the fact that God has given him the opportunity to rule here, much like when he was looking around and came before God and God said, have you considered my servant Job? He was looking around, just as the Bible says, he's roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. That that puts you on the list if you're a Christian. You do know that, don't you? That you and I are on the hit list. And I'm telling you right now, anytime you step up, and I think this is important as we're trying to take God's word and challenge His people to step up, be the Christians that we've been called to be. But when you step up, don't think the enemy's not going to step up either. He's not giving ground for free. And you and I need to be ready and realizing that when we enter into this fight, He is going to come against everything that we possess. I believe that. He'll come against your families. He'll come against your children. He'll come against your marriage. He'll come against even your finances. He'll come come against you through your thought life and try to get you to to, to lean over to things that you should not do. And and so we realize that, but we also realize that we have an advocate, that Christ Jesus is praying for us, not just in this text is he praying for us and all believers that, that have been and will be, but he's praying for us now. He intercedes on our behalf. He's not left us as orphans either. When he left, he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within us to testify of Christ. So you and I are not alone, and we don't have to worry about this world overcoming us because he's already overcome the world, he said, and to take comfort in those words. But to do that, you and I have to be focused on this mission. We have a purpose. I I, I feel in my heart such a great need for us to be trained for the, for the days ahead of us. We, we are entering into a different arena. Many have been in this arena for quite some time now. But I think the whole woke situation really is waking up some people. It's not that movement, the woke movement. But I do believe underlying that, that there's a waking up that's happening. People that know the truth, God is breathing as if he's breathing fresh life into them. That the remnant of God is waking up. And that's a work that he does. That's not something that we do. And you have to realize that Christ has a purpose for us. How would you like to tell your teenager who now has their driver's license, and you'll, uh, for everybody that has a child that gets to the age to where they can drive, isn't it a blessing to be able to send them on a grocery store run? Can I get a witness? Yes. How would it be to give your child that list, and now it's text them a list and. Um, cash app them some money to pay for it out of their account. And we just, I mean, like, it ain't take your debit card no more. No, it's I'll cash app you and whew, um, it's different. But how would it be if you were to take and give your child that mission, give them the list and give them the resources to go and to get what the household requires and for that child to stay on the couch? And to never move. Maybe to get up and get the keys, but never make it out the door. To just, and then to find the child doing what the child wants to do themselves. Maybe playing a video game, maybe Snapchatting, maybe doing what, whatever the child wants to do. But you've given the child a mission, and the mission is not getting done. I just wonder what God thinks of the church. That he left with specific instructions that he left with the power, that he left with with a mission that we should be about, the protection in this mission, and all that he did and gave to pay for this mission to happen. Where does he find us? Does he find us at the grocery store on the mission, or does he find us sitting at the house? Do you know that... John 15, and I'm not going to read a lot of this, but I just want to hit you with John 15, verse 18, and and a few verses following. It would be John 15, 18 through 16, 14, but we're not reading all that. But I want you to hear this. This is Jesus speaking also. He says, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world... but I, have, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If, they kept, if you. if they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. And you have to understand, we are on mission for his name's sake. His great namesake. Don't ever forget that. Jesus, His primary reason for coming to die on the cross was not your salvation. It was the glory of God. That is an arresting thought. But don't forget that it was not just for you. God sent His Son to die on the cross to redeem us and to send us so that we might bring glory to Him, that Christ would bring glory to the Father through the salvation of the souls of the men that, God, that He would give to Him, and that men and women, boys and girls, you and me, would go out here and glorify the Father by the life that's been changed and the obedience that we would give to His mission. Job, Moses, Elijah, and Jonah all prayed to be taken out of this world but god didn't answer that prayer for them to be taken out of here. he left them in this world. that's a, that's that's a place to be, isn't it? sitting by a juniper tree. just kill me, god. just take me out of here. and i know in our world today the oppression gets real, does it not? I'm tired of suffering. I'm tired of seeing other people suffer. I'm tired of hurting. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. I just wish I could go home. I don't think it's wrong to wish to go home. I think Paul wished that too. But he said, it's better for you that I stay here. And did you know that it's better for others that you stay here as long as God wants you to be here? And I want you to hear that. You're not here by happenstance. You're here on a mission from God. It this gospel, it sends us with transforming truth. This gospel sends us with transforming truth. been talking about truth a little bit this week. It's amazing in this world that we live in to actually talk about truth. In John 17, verses 16 through 17, listen to this. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them or set them apart by your truth. And he says, your word is truth. So we know without a shadow of a doubt, he has made it very clear, defined it for us, that his word that we have here is truth. There are many people today that even through even through the Christian culture will profess to have the, this word from God, I want to proclaim to you this morning that God's word is finished. It's complete. This is what we call the canon of scriptures. That God, as a matter of fact, He even put the statement in there Himself that everything that pertains to life and the godliness is found within this book. He signed it at the end, and He's finished. That's why He gave us the end of the book. He didn't stop in the middle and go, I'll give you the rest when you come along. And only God can do that. Why do I say that? You be careful about people prophesying over you. That doesn't mean that certain things don't happen, but you be careful about people telling you things that God has not shared with you through His Word Himself. Listen to what it says in John 8, 31 through 36. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. They answered him, said, so We're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you'll be made free? And Jesus said, Answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if a son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Now listen, he gives the context of what he's talking about there. So many people have a lot of uh, misunderstanding about what freedom is. What he's talking about here is that the Word of God, the truth of God's Word, is going to make you free from the sin that your flesh wants to fall into. So often we think that freedom is some feeling that we have. Well, I feel lifted up today. Do you know whether I feel lifted up or let down? God doesn't change. His Word is true. It's steadfast. It's immovable. And He says that if you want to be free... What you need to be free from is a sinful appetite. I've seen plenty of people roll in the floor. I've seen plenty of people shout. I've seen plenty of people sing. And I've seen plenty of people tote a Bible that's got markers in it and go out and live like hell the rest of the week. And I've struggled with things myself through the week, but I can tell you now, I think for the Christian, when the struggle comes, it's when we get out of his word. If we stay in his word... (laughs) The Bible says we are his disciples indeed. There are many people, and I want you to hear this is this is something we desperately need to hear as a church. Many of us want to go on mission for God. And there have been many before you that have wanted to go on mission before God. But if you go on mission, you go on mission for God without the word of God keeping you in, in, the, in the sanctification process that you need to be in, you are going to fall and fail. You can't keep yourself. That's why he gave us his word. That's why he gave us his Holy Spirit, so that we might stay steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. But when we go out here with great intentions, I'm going to go serve, but you are not a student of the word of God, the enemy will devour you. He will. As a matter of fact, listen to Philippians 2.5. He says, let this mind be in you, you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Lost men, I want you to hear, hear, hear this, lost men aren't as concerned with Christians' remorse over sin as they are concerned with stopping the light from exposing their sin. Christians, us as Christians... If we are His children, we should remorse over sin. Do you know that I had something I struggled with this week in my own personal life? And do you know what cured me from it? I went and I looked up the Scripture that dealt with that. And I saw how God is not pleased with that. And because of that, a righteous remorse came over my life. That this is not, that Christ, and here's where it gets tricky for me sometimes to wonder how we could just trample over grace. That God knew me. He knew that this week that that I just came out of would come in my life. Yet he died for me and he Sees me as righteous because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he gives me by his grace and his mercy the opportunity to look into his word. But the lost world is not like that. John chapter 3 teaches us that men's deeds are evil. They love darkness rather than light because the light will expose their dark deeds. Is it possible that one reason that we might not study God's Word like we should is because every time we study it, we find a God that we really don't want to serve? Do you like the God of the Bible? Do you care about Him? Wednesday night, and I have to clarify a couple of things, because I said something Wednesday night, and I said my, my, my thoughts were there. I just left out some words to get the context of it. Did you know that the God of the Bible opened up the ground and swallowed a lot of people? Did you know that the God of the Bible sent an angel to destroy an entire army on behalf of one of his children? I want you to think, now they're, they're slaughtered. Do you know that the God of the Bible one day is going to come back to this earth and out of his mouth, the Bible says, proceeds a sharp two-edged sword with which he will smite the nations, and he will devour with it the rulers of evil. And don't forget this, that after that, he is going to decimate this place. That everybody that's living... Their life will end. Well, I say their life will end. Their life on this earth will end. They will be brought before judgment with no more opportunities. And a lot of people think that's not fair because they're going to be people of all ages, from the womb to the tomb. They're going to be people of all ages standing before Him. That's the God of this book. And if we don't square with these things, then we're not living in the truth. That my God actually hates those who practice unrighteousness. The Bible tells us, I told you last week, I'll just reiterate it, but I just want you to get it. Yes, He is not pleased with sin, but it's kind of like the gun battle. Do guns kill people? No, people kill people. Sin is something that is born out of the lust of our hearts. A tree's not sin. A car is not sin. People, other people are not sin. But if I love that tree more than I love God, that's sin. And God, one day, is going to settle all accounts. That's the truth of His Word. I just want to give you a little lesson in truth once again, just to kind of confirm a few things. And it's hard. I get it. It's hard. But see, the wrath of God was upon us. Why? Because we were sons of disobedience, just as the others. And what does it mean that the wrath of God was on us? His righteous anger was going to be poured out upon us. But God, who is rich in mercy, sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins, and when we are saved, now the enmity, the the war, it's ended. His wrath does not abide on us anymore. Amen? Amen? There is therefore now no condemnation for us. No wrath upon us. But understand, don't, you, don't, don't lackadaisically just run past this. Anybody that's not in Christ, the wrath of God abides on them, and every day that they live in that unrighteousness, His wrath gets heaped up more and more. And one day, His wrath is going to be poured out. And see, we can't understand that because we don't understand righteous indignation. We don't understand righteous judgment. You and I can't judge rightly. That's why we we are not the judge of the lost world. We're not. He is righteous. He is perfect. He is holy. But don't you miss that truth tells us that He is going to settle account with it. Psalm 119, 9-12 says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Don't miss these, these words. He, he said, according to your word, and I have not let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. And he says, teach me your statutes. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God. How does it get into our hearts? It comes into our mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Renew your mind. Your mind transforms the, the Word of God coming into the renewing of our mind, transforms our will into His will. We now want what God wants. And it's a work that He does. Only He does, and He does it through His truth. And here's the good news. If his word can transform us, it can transform others. Can you hand me that box of tissue, please? I have to have, I'm sorry, my box is empty up here. God bless you, brother, for your Christian service. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. His word. In other words, words. We cannot live off of our feelings. This is important. We can't live off of our our feelings. I'm not saved because I feel saved. If you go off of your feelings about your salvation, you're going to go around doubting a lot. I'm saved because I know I'm saved. And how do I know I'm saved? I'm saved because I know that the Word of God is true. And what the Word of God has said would happen in my life is happening one day i might feel like it the next day i might not but the word of god tells me that he is the one that's holding the covenant together he's steadfast and immovable he can't be shaken he's not going to die he's already proven that he can't stay dead russian chess pro kasparov said this The point of modern propaganda is not only to misinform or push an agenda, it is to exhaust your critical thinking so as to annihilate truth. I want you to hear me today. That's what's going on. That's what's going on in our world today. People don't want you to be critical thinkers. They do not want you studying the Word of God. They want you to listen to what they tell you and indoctrinate you with their ideologies. As a matter of fact, we have lived, for the most part, in a place that was governed primarily by truth at the end of the day in the court system. See, that's why you've got to have law to start with, because you've got a judge there, and what does the judge go by? He goes by the law. He can't go by his feelings, or she can't go by her feelings, They must go by the law. But now we have people who are writing new laws. And in the new laws, you and I are wrong for thinking that this book is right. And it's kind of a, a, well, if you would say we were in a pickle. Because now it's like, well, why won't you just leave us alone? If we want to live this way, let us live this way. But yet God says go out. And go out with what? With the truth. So what do we do? Do we huddle up in our little holy huddles within the church building and we get tighter and tighter, or do we go out into the world? When our circumstances, and this this is a thought for you to keep, when our circumstances change, does it give us the right to reconsider the meaning of truth as we understood it before the circumstances changed. You see, because that's one thing that has led to the mess that we're in. Truth was truth at one time, but now because my child makes a decision or my grandchild makes a decision or some politician makes a decision or some advocacy group makes a decision and we are emotional about the decision that they make, does it change the truth that we once believed? Because if it changes the truth we once believed, does this truth now, is it void, or are we the ones that are wrong? And that, my friends, is the the, the dilemma we live in. And if you don't live in this dilemma, I don't think you're out there. If you have alienated and isolated yourself so much so that you don't understand some of the things I'm talking about, you need to get in the battle. You need to get in the battle. You need to get out there and find out what people are thinking. It's kind of what God sent us to do, not to find out what they're thinking, but to be out there. He sent us. Let me throw this one at you. This gospel sends us on mission For God. It sends us on mission for God. It sends us out with transforming truth, and it sends us on a mission from God. I just kind of want to settle this thought in at the end here. John 17, 18 through 20, listen to what he says. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. <laughs> Did you know that, once again, this is a purposeful mission from God? That this, this mission that He's sending us on is a purposeful mission from God. Matthew 5, 11 through 16 He said, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Now, who's he talking to, church? I want to just get right at the end. Let's get get together for just a moment. Who's he talking to? The church? That's good enough for me. He's talking to the church. Are you a part of the church? Now, did he designate which people he's talking to? He's talking to his disciples. Are you a disciple of Christ? If you are a disciple of Christ, guess what happens? That when you go out into the world, just as he sent us into the world, they are going to revile and persecute you. Now, wouldn't it be just awesome if we could cut some of this stuff out of the Bible? Wouldn't it make life just so much more simple? And I'm just telling you right now, because I'll challenge you with a thought in a minute. This is not what Greg wants. I got grandbabies. I pray that one day I get to see some great grandbabies. But you know, at some point in time, I'm going to die. At some point in time, I'm gonna, you're going to die too. At some point in time. I thought about the fact, do I really want to spend my life behind bars for the end of my life? I'm trying to remember the quote. Some of y'all might can help me, but I... Um, I put a quote from a pastor on Facebook this week that the problem with preachers today is nobody wants to kill us. And I read the Bible and I go, you know what? This whole idea of us being... In a life that's just... Don't hear me wrong. I think that there's enjoyable places in the Bible. In other words, I think that the the Christians had moments of joy and gladness in the day that they lived in, the birth of children and all these. I, I get that. But it doesn't escape the fact that they suffered persecution. And if our... Governing people keep waxing worse and worse. And I don't care whether you're Republican or Democrat or whatever, all of them are wicked at some, at some place in there. That doesn't mean there aren't good ones. Don't hear me wrong, but I, let me rephrase my statement. There are bad people in leadership in all branches, in all sides. And they don't care about the message that you think they care about. They care about the money and the power. That's always what drives it. A woman's rights. They don't care about a woman's rights. They care about the money that's slid up under the table so that an advocacy group can say that they care about women's rights. But the people at the head don't care. And you're going to find out what happened in the Scriptures is, it's going to happen in our life if we stand for the truth. I remember when some demons got cast out of this one particular person in the Bible. The people that owned her got upset. Why? Because their ability to make money was gone. And I'm telling you right now, you and I as Christians, whether we have or we have not, we're content. And so if we, if we don't have the funds, it don't take away Jesus from us. We're on mission. As long as we're on the mission, doing what God wants us to do, we know that God's going to provide for our every need that we have, but they don't have that. And their lust for more has built and built. And you go to messing with that, and you're going to find out something. That these scriptures will be true. Blessed, and Jesus says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake, he says. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does a light, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And he gives light to all who are in the house. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, I remember in Bible school when they taught us that verse. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. That's all they taught us. They did not teach us that in order to glorify the Father in heaven, people are going to hate you. That don't mean that everybody hates you. Remember remember what I told you earlier, weeks ago. It doesn't mean that everybody hates you. You hopefully don't hate me for preaching the truth. matter of fact, I'm thankful to be in a place that I can preach the truth without being hated. And that doesn't mean that all the world hates you. That doesn't mean all your community hates you. But I'll promise you this, those that are not of the truth, if you preach the real truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, they're going to hate you. Yay, right? But did you hear what he said? And this is something we're going to talk about next week. Did you hear what he said? For great is your reward. We don't live for this world. But if you'll live and die by the truth, he says, great is your reward. Spurgeon said that Christ was the great missionary, the Messiah, the sent one. We are the minor missionaries sent out into the world to accomplish the Father's will and purpose. Christ was Faithful in completing the work so that the word of God and the work of God would become fully effective in the lives of his disciples. That's why he said that in in verse 19, for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified. He was going on mission to be crucified, to die on the cross. Here's a question from within to us. Who's going to go? Who's going to go? You know, and and the mission is not on us. It's just to go do it. But the mission itself, I mean, Ezekiel, God asked Ezekiel a question. He said, can these bones live? And you and I have to take the platform to say, I'll not presume upon you and say yes, and I'll not doubt you and say no. But what I will do, God, is I will prophesy. I will preach your word. And if the bones live, it's on you, God. And if they don't live, it's on you too, God. It's yours. But I will do it. What will you go with? Will you go out with the truth? Because to go out with the truth, you have to know the truth. And to know the truth, you have to become a student of the truth. And, and let me just, I'm just going to say this. And I know this is not going to be a, a fan of a lot of Folks. But I think one of the detriments to the Christian church, and I about fell into it myself, one of the detriments to the Christian church is all these Bible studies out here. All these, everybody thinks that we got what we need because we go watch some Bible study, we watch somebody teach on a DVD for 15, 20 minutes, and then we go through and we answer some questions. I'm not saying that they're wrong, but there is no substitute for you getting your nose in His Word. No substitute for you and I just sitting down and opening up the Bible and taking God's Word one verse at a time and and letting it just eat on us, get in us. I'll never forget Kenneth writings. God bless his heart. One of the men I miss the most in the Christian life He was president of Fruitland. He said, boys, I heard this every week. Don't you ever, 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 ever leave God's Word and go to another man's opinion about God's Word until you have heard from God about His Word. You and I have got to become so desiring of the Word of God that it is what we breathe, it is what we live and I know this much. I know more than I can live out already. But I'm not going to stop studying. Here's the last one. Are you choosing your mission or is God choosing it? Are you choosing your mission or is God choosing it? Do you know that most often I find in the Bible the mission's uncomfortable? The mission's uncomfortable. I'll never forget my first pastorate. I used to build uh rock crawlers. that was something I enjoyed going trying to drive a vehicle up the side of a mountain. <laughs> go up, you got to come down, and then there's multiple ways to do that. But in my first pastorate, see when God saved me, um I still had one, and eventually i did i mean I, and I got rid of it and Was on mission for God for several years without that. Got settled in my first pastorate, had access to a shop and to a couple of resources and found one of the vehicles that I used to like to transform. Bought it, transformed it. But I had an intent. It was a godly intent too. I said, Lord, all these rednecks up here in the mountains where I'm pastoring I'll just I can take this and I can go witness to them. Sound like a good plan to me. Such a sacrifice, yes. <laughs> and I've told you before, I went to a, a conference. I don't even remember. Exa- I know where it was. I don't remember exactly what the focus was. I remember going, God drawing me down to the altar and commanding me to sell it. Mike, you do realize everything's done except for the spray and the paint on it. That's the body work's done. All the mechanical stuff is done. I'm almost finished, God. Sell it. That's fine. I'll sell it. I'll sell it. I'll sell it for a higher price than I should sell it for. I made an announcement from the pulpit that Sunday morning. I got back from that trip. I throwed a number out there. Got home. I ain't even sit down to eat good. And one of the boys from up there said, "You serious?" I reckon. He said, "I'll be over there in a few minutes." Are you choosing your mission so that your mission might be comfortable? Or are you just opening your life up to say, God? Here I am, send me. With no strings attached. Do you know that sitting in amongst us today, there could be somebody that needs to be headed to training for full-time vocational ministry. There could be some folks in here that you've heard God's call on your life to do a certain thing for a long time and you've not done it. There, There could be folks in here that you have no idea You've never been on mission for God, but you really want to. You see, what you've got to understand about mission God from God. It might be at youth camp. I'm not God. I'll promise you this much, though. It will involve sacrifice. It will involve the truth. And it will all be for His glory. I promise you that. I'll you stand with me for just a moment right where you're at I wonder if you're at the place to where you know what I'm ready to give up God here I am I'm yours would you send me and if that's you then you need to go to him you don't need to come to me I'll be glad to to hear about what happens but you don't need to and you don't need to bring anybody else. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna throw this out there, and I don't mean this disrespectful whatsoever. <laughs> I don't need somebody's permission to go do what God's called me to do. But His mission will always line up with His word, always. So He's not gonna call you to come to do something outside of that. We have a lot of things we want, but as it is. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life. uh, God put him there, and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God, just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner. I'm lost and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins. And I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us. And so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Mm -hmm. Amen. God bless you guys.